You ready to get started today? Let's get going. Um, we're going to talk about graduation, seeing that this is graduation Sunday. You can go ahead, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, several verses there. If you've got a, your phone, your tablet, or a good old-fashioned Bible book, uh, either way, Philippians chapter number 1. Today is graduation Sunday, so we're going to talk about the journey of graduation. If we look at uh, graduation, it is uh, somewhat the culmination of knowledge, experience. It deals with purpose, of course, obviously education. And generally, our education that leads to graduations begins uh, at a very, very early age. And our parents are always challenging us to do something, whether it be to, as a little baby, to look here or touch this or get your pacifier for yourself, big boy. Whatever it is, there's always a challenge to do something that we haven't yet done. And of course, as soon as that baby for the first time pops that passy in his or her mouth for the very first time, there has to be a camera rolling, pictures are taken, grandma's called, he did it. And grandma's like, they all do. No, the grandmother says, that's my grandson. He's the best grandson to ever live, right? Oh, they got no grandparents here? Come on, for you know, you know that's true. But graduation is not a matter of a one-time event. I think we would all acknowledge that when we are young, we have this thought process that because we're young, we're constantly learning and growing, but our parents and grandparents have already graduated and they're done learning. They're done graduating. There's nothing else for them to know or learn. And, of course, once we become adults, we realize that was a fallacy of youthfulness because we're always learning and always growing and always graduating. The lessons we learn in life give us the opportunity to transition out of being self-focused and into being others-focused. When we recognize that life is not just simply about us, but it's about us, then we know we've graduated a tremendous accomplishment. Well, let's read Philippians chapter number one, and we're going to read verses one through 14. This is a book that is, um, the author of this book is the Holy Spirit, as he is the author of the entire Bible. The ones who were penning this is Paul and Timothy. I would say Paul took the the, the driver's seat in this, but it is uh, pronounced there in verse number one, Paul and Timothy. And so immediately in these letters, in these epistles, the author states who he is right up front. He's writing this about 11 years after he first went to this city of Philippi and was arrested and thrown in jail and beaten and the earthquake and the Philippian jailer was saved. That was the start of the church here at Philippi. This is 11 years later and now this letter's being written. Let's read. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
If we can hone in for just a second on verse number six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. A couple really important things in that verse. He, Christ, who began, he didn't finish it the day we were saved or the first year when we finished a discipleship course, but he began a good work in us and he will carry it on to completion. Verse number seven, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this gathering of your people. And Lord, we thank you for how we grow and expand and learn. And yes, go through many graduations in life. Continue this work that you've begun, God. We are cooperating with you and all for the praise of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So he says that God has begun a good work in us and he's going to carry it on to completion. So everything we're going to talk about today is in reference to that verse, number six. It is God who's begun a work. It is God who's going to carry it on. And it's God who's going to bring each one of us to completion. So when we talk about our responsibility in improving and growing and graduating, we do not want to communicate in any way, shape, or form that the, the full responsibility is on us that I've got to become better and I've got to graduate and I've got to move on. It is God who is carrying us on this path. What we need to do is cooperate and submit and get with his program so that we can be carried on. We don't need to be stuck in the mud or just stuck in our way, but we need to say, God, continue to lead me and guide me. So in everything we say, let's keep that in mind. There are three things that graduation can be very quickly. Number one is delayed. We can actually have a delayed gra uh, graduation when, when we should have already reached a certain level, if you want to say that, but yet we're lagging behind in Hebrews 5. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So he's saying here, there's, you should have already reached this point, but you haven't. You're still lagging behind. So graduation can be delayed. Number two, it could be unrecognized. Look in Judges and we see uh, Gideon, that great warrior. But when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he wasn't acting like a great warrior. He was hiding from the enemy. He was hiding his food so no one would take it. 
And so the, the angel approaches him and says, man, you're a mighty warrior. And I don't know if Gideon did this, but it, it, it appears like he kind of went, is there somebody else here? Because <laughs> I thought I was alone. Because I know you're not talking to me. And we reference that because he says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. You ever had somebody challenge you? And I mean, like in a good way, they challenge you like, man, you can do this. And you're going like, dude, no way. I can't do that. Sometimes other people can see things in you that you're not seeing in yourselves. That's why we need one another to come along and challenge us. Or the word says to spur us on to good works, to be that agency that says, hey, I see something in you that maybe you don't see yourself. You can do this. And we need people like that. Well, the, the third thing is that a graduation can be leveraged. We find this in the Apostle Paul later in this same book of Philippians. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. He says, I've been through some things. I, I've had plenty and I've had nothing. I've been full of food and I've had no food. He said, I have learned to be content. I've learned to, it's okay. It's all right if I've got a lot and it's okay if I don't have much. Now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, that's the graduation, right? When you make that pronouncement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to make that proclamation. Paul made that proclamation after he had been through some things. We make it when we're young by faith, believing that we can do all things through Christ. And yet God is saying, yep, you're saying it by faith right now. There'll be a day when you'll say it because of reality, because I'm going to take you through some things and you're going to graduate to that revelation and reality. Graduation is moving into maturity. Graduation is not so much a piece of paper. It's not taking a, a, a test. It's a matter of moving into maturity. Yeah, there's tests involved. There's progress. There's promotion. But it's a matter of moving into maturity. Graduation requires time, effort, testing, and passing. Let's use three little illustrations out of nature. First off, the butterfly. We recognize that metamorphosis that that butterfly goes through didn't start off that way, but because of that metamorphosis and that time and energy, all of a sudden something wonderful happens. What about the pearl? Just simply a grain of sand placed in the right spot and over time and movement all of a sudden becomes, well, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, over time becomes the pearl. Second, thirdly would be the diamond. Just that piece of coal placed in the right spot at the right time, but the pressure, the temperature, all of those things that go into transitioning into a diamond. And usually most men find out that those things are very valuable. They cost a lot of money. Now here, let's get to the meat of this. God is taking us on a journey and giving us opportunity to graduate. I want to tell you this, that God gives us opportunity to graduate. But graduation is not guaranteed. He doesn't just simply say, you will graduate, but he gives us the opportunity to graduate. And we need to be different than the writer to the Hebrews was saying, hey, you should be at this level, but you're not. God is taking us on a journey. 
Aren't you thankful that when you look back at your life, you can recognize, you know what? I'm so thankful that I changed out of that and I'm now into this. Aren't you glad for that? Because God is taking you and leading you on into maturity. And that's what every church needs to do. And we experience that and we're experiencing that for 18 years here at Hope Crossings is just constantly moving out of immaturity into maturity, out of just simply trying to survive into now thriving and affecting our community in a greater level, in a greater way. So every person, every family, every unit, every church goes through those processes and it, and it causes us to graduate because we're walking with the one who's leading us and guiding us. Well, the first thing, God takes us on this journey from irrelevant love to purposeful love. Irrelevant love to purposeful love. You know, don't you always uh, kind of question the, the person who just says, uh, you know, I love everybody. I don't. <laughs> Maybe I should. But I have a tough time with that. Something that is irrelevant is something that is not connected. When someone makes an irrelevant statement, it's because the statement does not connect with the conversation. It is an irrelevant statement. And some people's love is irrelevant. Some people are trying to, to, to break this bond of uh, love away from the biology that they were born with. And there's a breakdown hear what I'm saying? Don't get tense on me now. Okay? There's an irrelevance. And when there's an irrelevance, we find that there's a disconnect. And whenever there's that disconnect of what is supposed to be connected, there's always turmoil and confusion. So he's taking us out of an irrelevant love. A love that just simply says, okay, I love you. Can I give you the rub on love? You ready for the rub on love? Here it is. It is easy to love someone who you don't really know. That's easy. Anybody can do that because we don't know them. I love premarital counseling. I'm not saying I'm great at it. I just love it. They may not benefit any at all, but I love it. About 25 years ago, I was meeting with a young couple, and they, they, uh, they had somebody else going to marry them, a relative, but they wanted me to do the marital counseling, premarital counseling. So I said, okay, great. So we had, uh, we had gone through uh, a few things, and so we got to the part where we are going to talk about, okay, how do you deal with um, when you have disagreements? And that's always fun. So I said, hey, let's talk about uh, when you guys disagree. Maybe you've had an argument or two, and it's just kind of how do you solve that, you know, because that's big. And they both smiled. We've never had a disagreement. I said, I kind of, I said, well, that's a problem. And it was like the deer in the headlights immediately. They were like, what? I said, yeah, that's a problem. I said, here's your homework for this week until we meet again next week. Have an argument. Disagree about something. Because you don't want to get into marriage and find out, I didn't know he dealt with problems like that. I didn't know she was going to fall apart. I didn't know he was going to throw something. Are we talking... We're okay here? So there's some things you need to find out. 
It's easy to love someone who you really don't know. Young people, take your time choosing your spouse. Take your time. Don't rush the process because you're going to need to find out a few things about that person before they put a ring on it. Okay? Okie dokie. In marriage, in marriage, we really get to know the person. In marriage, we find out more than we've ever found out before. And our love is tested. It's easy to love when everything's wonderful. It's more difficult to love when things are not. And we think, well, you know what? I've, I've made wedding vows to this person, and my love is going to sustain those wedding vows. My, my love is going to sustain that. And that's true most of the time, but there are some seasons in your life, at least one or two, when it is your wedding vows that will sustain your love. When you go back and you say, I made this person a promise and I'm going to keep it. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do that. And that's why living together without being married is very tedious and difficult because you have no vows that you've made to one another. And when difficulty comes, you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel the way I used to feel, so therefore... But when you've come together and you said, I'm making this public in front of everyone, this is my commitment to you, then that carries you through. And that's a mature love. That's a love that's not based on feelings, but it's based on the fact that God has a purpose in this marriage. One thing I've just started doing in premarital counseling, it's so much fun. I have so much fun doing this. On the first meeting, I asked them a question. It's not the first two minutes of the meeting, but in the first meeting, I asked them this question. I said, what is the purpose of marriage? And they go, like you, oh, snap. Yeah, because it's like, what is the purpose of marriage? And I qualified. I say, no, I'm not asking you what's the purpose of your marriage. I'm saying what's the purpose of marriage. And that's a great moment of silence because they hadn't thought about that. But when you get ready to go into something, it's important to know what's the purpose of this. We go out of irrelevant love into meaningful love. So graduation in that is simply to go from shallow to deep whether it be with a family member, to go into a deeper knowledge of that person. What does the word say in verse number nine? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul is saying, I want you to go into a deeper love, that your love is not based on something shallow, but it's based on something deep, that you're going into a deeper love with more insight. Another way of saying that is discernment, that you begin to know things that you don't know because God's given you insight, because you have discernment, because your love is going deeper based on knowledge. The second thing is this. He's giving us opportunity to graduate from I deserve to I serve. We have a society, for whatever reason, who feels very entitled. 
And I deserve this and I deserve that and I deserve this and I deserve that and I deserve a wonderful, easy, wonderful life filled with money and luxury. And uh, nobody actually deserves that. It's actually something that's earned, if you will. But that's the world we live in. I remember a time in my life when I was this way. I thought I deserved something. And what I thought I knew I did not deserve was what was happening to me, what was happening around me, and how some people were treating me. I said, well, I, didn't, I don't deserve that. I'm one of the good guys. Aren't you one of the good guys? Oh, come on. You can, you can do that. Yeah, because we don't, when we're going through hardships and difficulties, we're going like, dude, dude I, I don't deserve this. Can I just share with you, young people, you're going to go through some stuff that you don't deserve. You're going to go through some stuff that's difficult, and it's, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult, and you don't deserve to go through that. And yet God is looking at you and saying, but I'm going to do something during that that you are going to be so thankful for later. In the moment, it's not comfortable. But later on, you'll look back and you go, I'm so glad I went through that. It was bad. It was uncomfortable. Man, I needed that. Because he's taking us through away from I deserve to I Serve. Verse number 12, you got your Bibles there. He says, what has happened to me, Paul is saying what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's talking about his chains. He's talking about his imprisonment. He says what has happened is actually served to advance the gospel. And so he understands what that's all about. He says, I, I don't like being in chains, but my imprisonment and my chains have actually served to advance the gospel. Paul understood his purpose and his meaning. My purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My purpose is to be faithful to God. And if that means I'm free or I'm in prison, whatever it means, I am okay with that. You see, struggles along life's road do not define us. They refine us there's a big difference in that. There's a, in 1968, there was a Tanzanian uh, marathon runner named Stephen, a uh, John Stephen Akwari. 1968, and it's uh, the, the, the Olympics that year were in Mexico, and uh, it was uh, the, the high altitude, it was hot, all that stuff, 26.2 miles. And as you know, in those marathon, I think there was 75 runners that started off in the marathon. They, they, sometimes they, they, the runners bump into each other. They're trying to pass or whatever. Well, very early in the race, he takes a bad fall and actually greatly hurts his knee and I think dislocates his shoulder. There's a lot of things going on there. And so he got up and they, they put a, like a, something around his knee and then he keeps running. And he is so slow. And there are times when he has to walk for, for quite a while in the race. He would walk, and then he'd run a little bit, and he'd walk, and he'd run. When he finally entered the stadium where they make that last lap of the marathon before the finish line, an hour before he enters the, the arena, the winners of the marathon have already passed the finish line. They've already received their gold, silver, and bronze medals. And now an hour later, here he comes hobbling barely running, and he runs all the way around the track, and he comes finally to the finish line. It's dark, it's late, there's not very many people in the stands. And afterwards, someone asked him, a reporter asked him, he says, why did you keep running? Why was it so important for you to finish the race? And he gave a great answer. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. 
They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. So it was a matter of saying, this is my purpose. This is what I'm going to do. Whether I hobble, crawl, run, jump, leap, praise, cry, in prison, out of prison, have a lot, don't have a lot, I know my purpose, and that's what I'm going to do. And whenever you see someone with that type of tenacity, you're going to see someone who's going to graduate and graduate and graduate and graduate and just keep moving on because they know their purpose. They know what they're supposed to do. In Micah chapter 7 and verse 8, the prophet says, Do not gloat over me, my enemies. Though I have fallen, I will rise. I will rise. You see, along this uh, road to graduation, you might fail a test. Guess what? You get to take it again. Though you've fallen, you can rise. You may even, you may even fail it for a season, but God says, I'm still with you. I've still, I've still got you on course. Let's go. Keep going. We're going to do this again until you graduate. Let's keep moving. So we graduate from the world owes me to my struggles can actually help other people grow. When we begin to tell people, hey, I struggle with this. Hey, I have difficulty with that. It actually encourages people and helps them grow. Thirdly, we're going to bring it to an end. Thirdly, we go from dependent to interdependent. We go from just simply being dependent. Oh, I need, I need, y'all give me, you give me, you give me. We go to interdependent. It says, yes, I need, but yes, I give. Yes, I, I receive and I give. We need one another. And there's an interdependency. Verse number 14. He says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Because of my chains, most of the people that, are, that understand this and know, they have become confident, and now they're boldly proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ. There's an interdependency. Paul didn't want to be in chains, but he understood that this is actually helping other people. And so he put up with it. He, he tolerated it, if you will. God brings us into this wonderful world of leaving selfishness and moving into community. We are both autonomous and we have community. We are interdependent on one another. So what is graduation? It's moving from I don't need connection to I can help others and they can help me. It's moving beyond to say, hey, I'm an island, I don't need anyone, or to say, I just need, 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 he says, no, it's a, I need and I give. I give and I need. There's an interdependency. There's a connection. So what is graduation? Connection. Connection with other people. And there's the rub, isn't it? Because we would love to connect with people if they just act the way we want them to act. That goes back to, do we love them because they act the way we want them to act? Or do we love them because God is helping us love them even though they're not perfect. And so there's that maturity. Now that I really know you, do I still love you? Now that I really know you, can I receive from you and can I give to you? All that interconnection. So here's the question. Are you connected with a vibrant, 
group of people that are really getting to know you and you're really getting to know them and you still are working it out that you're going to love one another, not on a surface puppy love, but on a deep understanding of love that says, I know you and I love you and I thank you that you know me and you love me. And that's connection. That's called life groups. That's called getting together as the body of Christ with the purpose of encouraging and being encouraged, loving and being loved, giving and receiving. That's the connection that God wants to bring us to. And that is the process by which he uses to bring us into the greatest level of maturity. But can I just conclude this? The band's going to come up. We're going to sing again. But can I just bring this to a conclusion by kind of flipping this entirely over on its head? There is a graduation that not any of us have experienced and that no one is going to experience on this planet. There is a connection. There is a connection we've not experienced. There's a graduation we've not experienced. And that is when we transition out of this life and into the next when suddenly, whether Christ comes back and it's over, or this body gives out, as they all will, and we go through that graduation. That is a graduation where we want to just hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a graduation in which we transition out of this seeing life like through a, a dim, fuzzy glass, a frosted glass, if you will, and then seeing face-to-face, -face, knowing as we are known. That's a graduation that we're all looking forward to. That's a graduation that we all must have secured. And that is a graduation that has absolutely nothing to do with you. Because you cannot make yourself a Christian. You cannot make yourself graduate into heaven. You cannot do anything to say, okay, now I deserve to go to heaven. It's a matter of saying, I have received the gift of salvation that is going to guarantee me a graduation at the end of this life. Guarantee me that when I die, there is an eternity in front of me that is going to be glorious and wonderful and fantastic and not wretched, horrible, and beyond a nightmare. And how does that happen? It happens through accepting the gift that God's given us through Jesus Christ of saying, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. And he paid the price for my sin. And what God is saying to me now is just simply accept the gift of forgiveness for sin. Accept the gift of being born again, being having a completely new start. And that is the gift of salvation. That is the gift that we ask God for, and he gives it to us. It's not a matter of earning it. It's not a matter of saying, I've got to clean up my acts so God will hear me when I pray. I've got to clean up my acts so God will give me a great gift. He's already offered you the gift. He's offered that gift to every person on the planet. And it's a matter of saying, have you accepted that gift? Have you said yes? Well, if you haven't, I, I would just ask really, non-offensively, but what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The gift isn't going away, but are you going away from the gift? 
Are you distancing yourself from God's gift? And to what benefit? To what benefit? Why don't you just say yes to God now? Let's do today. Say, God, yes, yes. Hey, let's pray together, okay?